Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. That's awesome. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Renaissance. My name is... Jeff. Ah, that would have been awesome. No, my name is Jeff, and I'm, I'm one of the leaders here at the church, and I want to thank you for coming and being with us. We are in the, the second week of our three-week series. Um, I call it a series. It, to be honest, it's a capital campaign. We are, we are trying to um, show the church body uh, that we need to raise capital to renovate the space above us. So that's what we're doing. I, I, if you were here last week, I was very intentional with telling you the purpose of this, these three weeks as we are talking about um, how God is generous to us and how we can be generous with the things that he's given to us. Um, last week, I informed you with two huge pieces of information that we need to understand. Uh, first is this, is that God is an, an inviting God, isn't he? Yes, God invites us to know who he is, but to not just know who he is, but to also partner with him in the work that he's doing. We, we mentioned in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus gives the great commission to disciples, he says, go into all the nations and make more people like yourself. He says, replicate yourself in the earth and join with me as we become fishers of men to draw people to, to, through salvation back to God through Jesus Christ. And, and we had to understand that first and foremost as a piece of information to make this important decision on whether or not we want to be generous to the church with our money. We had to know that. Second piece of information I, I told us is, is that Renaissance has plateaued. We've hit a ceiling as far as attendance goes. It happened at the end of last year. We hit about 625 people. Every once in a while, we'll swell up, and you can feel it. We're a little full right here, right? We'll swell to 650 or so, and then we'll dip down to 580, but around 620 is where we sit. We can't add a fourth service. We need to have more space so more people can come to hear the truth and love of Jesus. We have that space. This is the thing I'm trying to tell you. It's above you. Everybody look up. There's 28,000 square feet above us in this building and the building next door. That video was shot on the third floor of the next door building where we hope to have our main room. It's deplorable. I'm telling you, it's bad. We're going to fix it and put a main service up there where three or 400 people can gather together and worship Jesus at the same time. That's the vision. That's what we're going towards. How are we going to get there? We hope to get there with this understanding that, that God is generous and we need to be generous too. We believe that there are three groups of people that come to this church and, and every one of us sort of fits into one of these groups. There are people who come to Renaissance, right, who probably call Renaissance home. You say like, well, if I go to church, I go to Ren. Not, not that you go to two or three different churches, but this is kind of the one church that you go to. And yet you don't financially support the ministry here at Renaissance. I want you to first hear this. You're welcome to come. 
You're welcome. You don't have to give us a dollar. We're not selling you anything. In fact, every week we practice hard. We, we search the scripture hard. We, we, we try to put the best message towards you to teach you about Jesus. And all of that is for you. Take it and receive it. We don't need anything or want anything from you. But if this is your home, if this is becoming the place where you're coming to worship every week, then God might be speaking to you that you should join us. They should be part of the family. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? Right? I don't, this is not a guilt thing. Dude, if you're just coming and just receiving, take it. Take it. I pray God awaken you at some point and go, man, I should, I should probably help out a little bit. Right? There's another group of people in the church, probably like myself, who give every month to the church. I, I support the work here at ministry, or the ministry here at the church, and I have since its beginning. The church that I used to go to before, I supported that church by financially giving to it. And some of you are like me in this church. Don't nod, right? And you know who you are, right? Right? I love that, right? We're going to ask, and I'm asking myself, right, the Lord, would God want me to give more? Can I give a little bit more? Can I, get, can I maybe give up a Starbucks pumpkin spice latte, somebody? <laughs> you know me, right? Am I willing... All right, so that's, that's the second group of people that maybe you'll join in and give just a little bit more. And then the last group is maybe for those people who just have the resources to just write the big checks, if you will. Right? You can just be a shot in the arm to this campaign, and we can, we can start the process sooner than later. For the last five years, we've been saving money every year, and we've been able to save hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've used that money to purchase the buildings and to start the remodeling process, but we've end, we ran to the end of our finances. We can wait another five years if we want to, right, and just have a little extra every year and wait five years to do the build-out, or, or we can do it now. That's what we're doing. That's the whole purpose. We believe that the, for us to make more space for more people is going to come on the generosity of the people in this church. So that's the tell, man. If you're just visiting, you're like, gosh, another sermon about money. I promise you, it won't be about money. I have a lot of things to say about Jesus. I have a lot of things to say about how God frees us from sin. Who wants to be freed from sin? Guys, hear me. God wants to liberate people from sin. I, I was praying this morning, and, and I, God showed this to me. Oh, I hate saying stuff like that, but I believe it's so true. I, mean, I hate saying it because then it's like, well, how do, you, how do you disagree with me? If God showed them, then it must be true. <laughs> right? I think weird things, and not all of them are from God. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> uh, I promise. <laughs> but there's a difference between, between being forgiven for sin. God forgives us for, for, for our sins because of Jesus. There's a difference between being forgiven and freed from sin. You hear that? Because I know when I sin, God forgives me, but there are sins in my life that I wish were God and are gone, and God can remove those sins in our life. Don't you agree? And so I'm hoping that through this next 30 minutes or so that we'll, we'll walk into a freedom of sin. And what sin is it? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to pray for us. I want to pray that God would really talk to our hearts. I know the worship team has already prayed, but we're just going to have to be okay with that. You're in a church. We're going to pray. Is that okay? So would you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for everything that you do. We thank you that we do have a place, a home, for those of us who call Renaissance home. We can come together. What a, uh, an interesting group of people, Lord, that you've assembled together to worship your son. We thank you for that. We thank you that we um, have freedom here, that we can worship you and, uh, with, with liberty and truth, and we thank you for all of that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and you speak to us today, and that you would um, do the loving thing that you do, which is expose sin in our lives and then show us the way out of it. And we thank you for all of that work that you do. And we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen.
Somebody asked me, can I get a t-shirt like this? I think the answer is yes. I think we bought a bunch of them. I don't know where they are exactly. Um, but next week, you'll, you'll hear more about this t-shirt if you want to uh, get one of these t-shirts. I think the idea is that the first 1,000 people to write a check for $10,000 get... <laughs> But we only bought a thousand, <laughs> so you better hurry. <laughs> if that worked, that would be great. I'm just saying. Tell your friends. God is a generous God. Amen. Amen. God is generous. We first must understand this: that God gives us salvation. The first tenet of our faith is that we believe that we've been saved by what? By grace through faith. Faith that God gives us too, by the way. Faith to believe that God would save us by grace. Grace being defined as unearned, unmerited, and for some of you, undeserved favor of God. That he gives us his son, Jesus. God is a generous God. He gives us salvation through Jesus. If I were to come back from running errands with an ice cream cone in my hand and say, hey, man, I was just out running errands, and I stopped by the ice cream store, and I, I wanted to bring back this ice cream cone for you. I want to give this to you. Okay, truth be told, I bought two ice cream cones, and I ate one of them on the way back. But here's, here's an ice cream cone for you. I want to give this to you. And as you reach out your hand to take it from me, and I say, that'll be $2. That's not a gift, is it? No, you're, you're paying for it. That's, that, therein lies a business transaction is what's taking place. And so we don't, we don't pay for our salvation in advance, and here's the best part, nor in arrears. We don't pay for it after the fact either. That's, that's what religion says. Now that God's done stuff, oh, this is so good. Not if you agree. Yes, that you don't pay for it after the fact either. You don't owe him anything for your salvation. He's generous to give it to you. If you receive it and say, well, I'm going to have to do something really nice for Jeff now, maybe buy him an ice cream cone or two or wash his car or walk his dog or take my dog. You can have my dog. Maybe, maybe that's what you feel like. You don't have to do that. And, and we want to be generous like God is generous. There's a famous sermon that Jesus preaches in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. He's up on the side of a mountain preaching to the multitudes. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's telling his disciples the things about the kingdom of, the God, of God. And he says this, he says, you need to forgive other people as God has forgiven you. Isn't that great? That we need to be generous like God is generous because he wants us to also forgive others as, as God has forgiven us. And he's teaching us how to be like him. Our lives should slowly be transformed to be more like who God is, right? And in this sermon, he says, yeah, forgive others as, as God has forgiven you. And isn't that so great to hear? I wish he would have stopped there. But he didn't. Do you know what he says next? And he says, and if you don't forgive others, then God won't forgive you. Now, hang on, Jeff. You just said that we don't earn salvation. We don't earn forgiveness. So you're telling me if I go around forgiving people, then God has to forgive me. No, no, that's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, he's implying something else altogether. He's saying if you don't fully understand the forgiveness that God has given you, then you can't give it to other people. Look at me. Uh, in the relationship that I have with God, the relationship that you have with God, in that relationship, you are the troubled one. Just so you know, I am the troubled one in this relationship. I'm the one that causes problems in this relationship always. I'm the one who looks him in the eyes and says, I will do this, and then I don't. I'm the one, I'm the one who promises faithfulness to him, and then I'm, I disobey my own promise. I'm the one who, who profanes his name at times, and I've done this. And yet God forgives me. 
He forgives me of all of this. And, he, and Jesus says this, is if you understand the forgiveness that God has given you, then you can, and only then, can you forgive those people who defame you. Only then can you forgive those people who are difficult. Raise your hand if you know someone who's difficult, and don't raise your hand if they're sitting next to you right now. <laughs> yes, then you begin to forgive those. He says this, he says, once you get it, you can give it. And it's not until then. This issue of generosity, we must understand first before we can then give it out. God is generous to us, so we want to be generous with the things that God has, has given to us. Once we understand this, then we can move forward and we can be transformed into more and more like him. If we get this, and this is what I love, um, then we can begin to live, as Timothy Keller says, promiscuously generous lives. Ooh. Did he just cuss? I think he cussed. <laughs> <laughs> promiscuously generous lives. Because that's what God is calling us to. So what is generosity more specifically? What, is, what does being generous look like as defined by the Bible? Because isn't that all that matters? The, the generosity and being generous is a, is a minor theme that is woven all throughout Scripture. Oftentimes, though, we don't see it taught in the positive. We see it taught in the negative. And by that, I mean this. We oftentimes see um, messages in the Bible or stories in the Bible where God is, is talking specifically about the opposite of generosity. Do you know what the opposite of generosity is? It's greed. It's selfishness. It's stingy. Oh my gosh, when I looked up the antonym for generosity and stingy was there, I immediately thought of the, the children on the playground at the grade school who have but maybe 10 minutes to play, right, for recess. And, and yet they're sitting there like keeping the kickball and they won't share it with anyone else. They won't share the jump rope or the monkey bars because this is mine. I only have a few minutes to play with it. This is all mine. And we know they didn't pay for it. They don't even know what taxes are. They don't have any understanding of all of this. But for whatever reason, for the 10 minutes that they have it, they think it belongs to them. And that stinginess is how I see God looking at us sometimes with the resources that he's given us. That we think that all the stuff that he's given us is ours. It's ours, it's ours, it's ours. If only for 10 minutes here on the earth. But it's ours, it's ours, it's ours. And the true understanding is that we didn't, we didn't make it. We didn't earn it. He's given it to us. Everything that we have. This breath in my lungs as we were praying this morning is a gift from God. The fact that you opened your eyes today is a gift from God. The resources that we have, yes, you've worked for it. Yes, you slave away 40 hours a week. I get it. But God's given us the talents to do those things. That all of this comes from God. So the Bible has a lot to say about greed, selfishness, and stinginess. In fact, I want us to turn to a passage in the Bible, um, which is always a good thing when you're in a church to open the Bible, right? But in Luke chapter 12, if you would turn to Luke chapter 12, I want to read verses 13 through 21. If you want to use the Bible underneath the seat around you, you can turn to page 871. And Jesus is again speaking to crowds of people. And someone in the crowd comes up to him in verse 13 and says these words. I'm just going to read through this. Someone in the crowd comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, Rabbi, teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. 
So some presuppositions that we have to infer here is this, is that there's two brothers here, and the older brother gets the inheritance. You know that to be true. It's true in their culture. I think I know why, just so you know. The oldest sibling gets the inheritance because parents don't know what the, they're doing when they have a kid, right? The first kid is the guinea pig. Someone say amen. amen. Right? By the time fourth kid rolls around, you got this. they can play on, in the street. We don't even care at that point. <laughs> Here's this knife. Go run through the yard. You know what I mean? We don't. But the first kid, we wrap them in bubble wrap and we like, we we hover over them. That's why they get the inheritance because we're crazy with the first kid. All right, all right. So, so the I'm never gonna finish. Oh my gosh. Jesus, tell my older brother to give me some of of his inheritance. And Jesus responds. He says this. I'm not the judge or arbiter here. This is like a people's court judge duty thing. Go, go there and deal with that. But I do have something to say about this, if you'll let me. And he says in verse 15, he says that, that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He says that's not what life is. You have a picture of what the ideal life looks like. It's a gathering unto yourself, a bunch of stuff. He says that's not what life is. In fact, he, he, he starts that sentence with a warning. He says, take care and be on guard, right? Because you might begin to covet others' stuff. Covetousness. The, the desire to have more stuff, it leads to something else. In your, hear me. Coveting is sinful. It is sinful. Listen, when, when Moses met with God on the top of the mountain and he gave him ten commandments, right? We know, like, there's no other God but me. Don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Keep the Sabbath. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. He says, don't covet. Covet. Don't desire or long for other people's stuff. Because life is not built on the, the accumulation of your stuff. And if you, if you keep trying to accumulate, then you don't have enough. At some point, you begin to desire the, the things that other people have. And that's sinful, he says. Not being generous is sinful. Being greedy is sinful. And you're like, whoa, Jeff, I don't, I don't see that here. How are you making that, that um, connection? We'll keep reading because Jesus tells them a story, a parable. A parable is just a story with a meaning to this younger brother who wants more stuff. Okay? That's what's happening. And Jesus says in verse 16, that behold, there's a, a parable and there's the, the land of a rich man. What kind of a man? A rich man has produced plentifully. And so he thought to himself, whatever shall I do? I have nowhere to store all my stuff, crops. Whatever shall I do? Where can I put all my crops? And so he thought to himself, well, I'll just do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. Can we pause for a minute? This guy is what? He's rich. Guess how big his barns are? They're already big. He has large barns already, but he goes, no, 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 it's not enough. I'm going to tear those down, and then I'm going to build larger barns and put all of the stuff into those larger barns. And then in verse 19, then I'll say to my soul, oh, now you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Have you ever heard the phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, for tonight we die? It comes from this passage in the Bible. Look what Jesus says next. But God said to him, fool, fool, for this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, the things that you put into those larger barns, whose will they be now? Now, hear me. God is not punishing this man for doing this. He's just saying, there's a day we're all appointed to die. It just so happens to be that guy's night tonight. And he says, and you spent all of your life or all of your summer or whatever tearing down old things to make new, new barns so more stuff can come into it. 
And, and when you're doing this, you're, you're acting greedily. In fact, he's coveting. And who is he coveting against? Jesus tells us in the last verse, in verse 21. He says, so, so the one who lays up treasure for himself is not rich towards who? God. Do you hear this? This is the inference that we must understand in, every, in all of this. God owns it all. Have you heard that said before? It's all his. It's forever and always his. We are but stewards of it for a while. And when we choose to hoard it, we choose to hold it, to not use it for his glory, we're stealing from him. That's sinful. It's greedy. It's stingy. And Jesus calls him on this. The, the problem with, with greed, well, first off, it's, know this, it's sinful, it dishonors God, it offends him, okay? And the second thing about greed is most people don't know when they're doing it. They don't know that they're being selfish. They don't know that they're being greedy. Um, I have a couch in my office. I bought it not long ago, and um, I bought it, I, I don't know when you buy a couch, it has to be long enough that you can lay down and take a nap on it, right? So I, I tried out all the couches in the place, bought the one that I could sleep on, and put it into my office, right? It's a holy couch. Say it with me now, holy couch, right? If my door's locked, don't knock. I'm just saying I'm sleeping in my office, but people come into my office all the time, and they'll sit on that holy couch, and they will do the most wonderful thing. They will confess their sins to me. Why me? I, right? But they come to me, and they'll, commit, they'll, they'll confess that they've lied, that they've stolen, that they've cheated on their spouse. They're telling me these things. And the beauty of it is after they're done, then I get to start. And then I start confessing all the things that I do. And they're like, is that what happens next? I'm like, it is today. It is today. And so we just make a confession mess right there on the floor. And then we pray. And then we pray that God has forgiven us all of our sins. We confess them. We love that. And we pray that God would free us from those sins. But in all of those sins that people have come to that holy couch into my office and confessed to me, guess, guess what no one's ever confessed? No one's ever walked into my office and said, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, I think I'm spending too much money on myself. No one's ever said that to me. Jesus speaks in the New Testament 10 to 20 times more about the, greed, about the sin of greed and materialism than he does anything else. Have you ever wondered why? It's because no one knows they're doing it. He doesn't warn people, be careful, you might be committing adultery. Be careful, you might be killing someone. Be careful, you might be stealing or lying because we know when we're doing those things. But he says, be careful. You might be, be, you might be being greedy right now. It's a hole that we fall into all of the time. So how do we know if we're being greedy? How do we know if we're sinning in this way? I am so glad you asked. Have I got a story for you? I want to tell you a story of my own life, quickly. First confession is this. I like to be generous. I do. When my wife and I were first married 21 years ago, before kids came in and changed it, um, 
we, we love the fact that both of us love generosity. We loved helping people in the church, buying car or tires for their car, helping them with transmission work or whatever else. We loved being generous to the church. We loved all of that. But again, as life sort of progressed, I began to, to labor over and toil over my generosity. I began to, to pray more about it. Do you think we should be generous here? Do you think we should help that guy with this? Do you think we should support that ministry? What about those missionaries in Russia? Do you think we should write a check? And we spend time praying and thinking about it and considering all of this stuff, oftentimes missing the opportunity because someone else comes along and meets that need. And we're like, well, I guess it wasn't supposed to be for us anyways. Right? So I love being generous, but I labor over it now more than I ever have in my life. But I never labor over the fact or the desire to buy a new book for my library. If you've never been in my office, I have two bookshelves filled with books. I have books all over my desk. There's a credenza behind my desk filled with books. I have another bookshelf at home that I have yet to bring downtown to my office here. I have books everywhere, and I never think twice about adding another one to my library. And why is this? It's because I think my identity is oftentimes found in those books. What do you mean by that, Jeff? Listen, I love the fact that people think I'm smart. I mean it. I'm so motivated, motivated by the thoughts that other people have of me, it causes me to sin. I love it when people say, Jeff, how did you learn that? I love when I, when I offer a book to someone else that I've been noodling in or reading in and like, Jeff, this is so profound. Where did you find this? How did you come up with that sermon illustration? All this, I love hearing all of that stuff. What I'm learning is my identity is oftentimes found in that. So here's the question that I ask myself. Where is my identity truly, truly, truly found? Is it in, is it in what Jesus thinks of me and how much he loves me? Or is it what other people think of me? My second confession is this, it's both. It's both. And those two identities, they are at war with themselves constantly in my life. And how do I know they're still fighting against each other? On how easy it is for me to go to amazon.com and click buy, purchase now. It's so easy for me to do that. And yet I labor over being generous in other places. Do you see this now? And some of you are like, woohoo, I don't even read, dodge the bullet there. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is awesome. For some, for some of you, it's you don't even think twice about going to the mall and buying another pair of shoes, a purse, a dress. I was listening to my daughters who are teenagers, and they had friends over who are teenagers, and they were. I overheard someone in the room talking about buying a second dress for homecoming just in case on the day of the one they didn't like that they already bought, they would have an extra one just in case. And I about threw up in my mouth when I heard this. <laughs> For some of you, you don't think twice about going to the taco place the second time this week and dropping $40. I mean, think about it. How do you know you're being greedy? How do you know you're being stingy? How do you know... It's when you wrestle over giving what God has given to you to others, but you have no problem spending it on yourself. This, my friends, is sinful. It's sinful. I don't have any other way to spin it. It offends God. It's an offense to him. It's a sin against him. He is blessing us with resources, and we are hoarding them like the rich fool in that story. 
And we're not robbing others. Have you ever found out or realized that God has found a way to meet that need in another way? As I mentioned earlier, sometimes I'll wait so long before I give. Someone else has already given. Oh, God's got it figured out. He'll get the money to the, to the missionary in Russia. He'll get the money to the hurricane victims in Texas. He'll get it there. It's whether or not you're going to join him in it. I know this is heavy for some of us. This is an, an assault against our identities. But I'm telling you, this is an identity issue first and foremost. Who are we becoming more like? More like Jesus? More like God who's so generous with everything? Or are we hoarding things unto ourselves, building our own little thing? All right, I want to take a break real quick right here. Um, I know this is sort of theoretical and we're living in the philosophical. What does it really look like to live a generous life? What does it look like to, to be this type of person? Uh, we invited um, some friends of ours to come in uh, and talk to us about generous living. Their names are Will and Lindsay Miller. Some of you know them, and we, we filmed them. And I have a short video that I want to show you guys. Um, and they talk about the struggles of living a generous life. They talk about some of the, the ways they've navigated through that. And I want to encourage you, this should make you feel a little better after I've just yelled at you for the last 25 minutes. Um, but if you would just pay attention to the screens here, I just want to show this short video to you. Thank you. So Will, Lindsay, thanks for coming in today. We called you in for your annual review, but this year we wanna talk about, rather than your investments in the stock market, we wanna talk about your investments in the kingdom of God through your generosity to the church. Mm -hmm. Thank you, first of all, for always living a life of generosity, always being willing to give to the church. I think a lot of people take it for granted that nothing that happens here at the church would be possible without people just like you living a life of generosity. So thank you guys for your continued generosity to the church. You guys have a unique perspective because you've been with Renaissance since the very beginning. And so we just kind of want to hear your story and what it's been like over the years for you guys to give to the church. We want to start with the concept of beginning now. So when I talk with a lot of my clients, it's not about how much to begin with, it's more about when to begin. Yeah. And I tell them all the time, just begin now. So Lindsay, can you talk about um, how you started living a life of generosity with your giving to the church? I, it just goes back to my childhood. I was raised in the church and my parents, that was something they've always done. They're very generous. And my dad gave us a piggy bank when we were little. And the first column was church. The second one was savings. And the third one was, wow. um, you know, just spending. And so it's always been, you know, kind of just what we do. You know, I haven't, I never second guessed it. For me, I didn't grow up in the church, so it couldn't be a whole lot different for me, or much different, I should say. Yeah. When you started giving, this was all new to you. Then. This was brand new. So. Okay, so what was it like <laughs> to, for the first time in your adult life, start giving to the church? Sure, so we got married very young, 19 and 20 years old. We were still in college. 
we didn't have a lot of money. Um, so when Lindsay approached me and said, hey, we're going to give 10% to the church, I thought she was crazy because 10% would go a long way for people who don't have a lot of money, right? Yeah. So it was very hard for me at first to cope with 10% going out right away. 10% is gone. Don't even think about right. it. Right. You know, now in hindsight, I'm very, very thankful that I did. But at first it was very tough. Yeah. It was very tough. Sure. So, Lindsay, you gave right from the start. Mm -hmm. Will, you didn't become a giver until later. Mm -hmm. Would you guys say there's a right time to start giving? No. To answer your question, I don't think there is a right time. I think now is the right time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would you say that once you started giving and that became a foundation of your guys' marriage and household, have you seen your faith increase as your generosity has increased? Part of being a Christian is being diligent, right? Sure. It's, it's diligent in reading, praying, giving. Uh, whether that be time or money, I think those are both huge components of giving, but there's there's absolutely huge growth in it. And it's not only growth in you, it's growth in others. It's growth in the church. To see it from a living room to 700 people, can't that can't happen without yeah. people giving. Yeah, there's no way. And knowing that you're a part of that, it, it's, it, it feels it, it feels good. It, yeah. So you would say um, there's been kind of a correlation between your faith and God as a provider for your family Absolutely. as you've given? Absolutely. Yeah, there's never been a missed bill. There's yeah. never been a fight about finances. And, yeah. you know, we don't say that braggardly. We say that thankfully. Yeah. And we and the thanks is, is to God. And, of course, you know, you can't necessarily say we are where we are today because of giving and because the God has that God has blessed us that way. But we believe that. I mean, we can't prove it, but we believe it. So the first commandment says you should have no other God before me. Mm -hmm. How has giving to the church helped you guys personalize that biblical concept? Mm -hmm. I've always viewed money as it's not ours. Like God's blessed us with you know, Will's job, and he blessed me with a teaching job when I taught. And we, I, I look at it, and I know he does now, like, the money isn't ours, you know? It's God that's given us the, our abilities, and... The, I don't view the money as mine. I could lose my job any day, you know? And because he lets me keep it, and he lets me sustain our family, and, and you know, it's, it's all his anyway. Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't idolize it. So another concept that I teach to a lot of folks is consistency over time. So like so many things in life, the best results come from consistent effort over time. Would you say that applies to generosity as well? I would because just like anything, whether it's playing guitar, learning guitar, or learning something, it's Practice. hard at first. Yeah. It's very hard at first. And like practice makes perfect, you know, you kind of just hit in the beginning, you have to start and practice and you know, give that amount that you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. and Or not comfortable. <laughs> or not comfortable with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we could do a lot with the money that we're tithing with. You know, if you think about it, like that's, that's, you know, a lot of money, but... But the Lord can do more. Yeah. Right? God's work in our life is it's never finished. Mm -hmm. You know, when I talk to folks about retirement planning, there is an, an end line, but God's work in our life, we, we never graduate, we never retire. Have you guys ever thought about what generosity is going to look for, like for you guys in the future? Have you thought about where this might end up? We just want to continue to give because it's nurturing something big, right? It's nurturing something huge in the city. 
and we believe in what you know is going yeah. on. I mean, I can't wait there. until we get into our new space. We can fit mm -hmm. three, four, however many hundred people mm -hmm. in this room and just have this atmosphere, not 140 chairs that we have yeah. now. Right. Almost triple the space. Yeah. And I mean, I just get giddy thinking yeah. about it. I know. <laughs> yeah, so really cool to think about the return that's going to come from your guys' generosity. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. From everybody's. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So I want you to know we're all in that place where we wrestle through. I love Lindsay's story, right? She kind of grew up understanding this. Bless her parents, right, for teaching her the ways to go. Um, and, not, and wasn't much of a struggle for her. But yet Will so candidly admits, I thought she was crazy. And, and now look where he's at. He, just so you know, Will and Lindsay was the first uh, ever marriage that I officiated. And they're still going strong. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? And, and Will was a young Christian, and, and it's so wonderful to watch him grow. And I'm telling you, he's growing because he's surrendering things like that, uh, issues in his life over and over and over again. I mentioned earlier that God really helped me see that there's a difference between forgiveness of sin and freedom of sin. Forgiveness is absolutely given to us. Um, so is freedom, but that requires us to walk into that understanding. Renaissance, look at me. I mean this with all of my heart. I believe God is giving us an opportunity here. He has truly given us an opportunity to take the, the sin of greed, materialism, selfishness, sinfulness. We can do what I, I love to say every week. We can drag that sin out into the street and put a bullet in it. We can kill that sin by learning to live generous lives. We can, we can kill that sin in our lives by learning to understand that the resources we have come but from the Father in heaven and we are but stewards and we start to give them away. That's a real thing. That's something I'm learning as I'm studying for this. I talked to a friend early this morning he says, Jeff, it's so great to hear you talk about finances in the church because I'm terrified to talk about it. And I hit back to you. I said, I I'm so thankful that I'm doing this because I'm learning so much. I'm actually having fun learning about this because God is exposing these things in my life too. So we have an opportunity to, to kill the sin of stinginess and greed and selfishness, which can lead to coveting, which is gross in and of itself, Right? And the second thing is we can then be generous and build more space so that more people can come to hear the truth and love of Jesus. Is this not a God-ordained moment? I've, I've never seen one like this, that he would come and address this in our lives and then secondarily use those resources that I'm convinced exist in this church. We're not, we're not going out and getting money anywhere else. It's here. It's already here, and God is going to use it to build this space so more people can come to faith in Jesus. I believe. May I be a fool like that to believe instead of the fool like the other guy. We're going to take communion today. We didn't plan it that way, but um, today's the first Sunday of the month, and we do want to remember the works that Jesus has done for us. So I want to pray for us, and we're going to have... My friend Joe is going to come up and talk to us about communion. So would you bow your heads with me?
God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for Will and Lindsay's story. God, I pray you make that story our story, that you help us to to live lives of promiscuous generosity. Help us to be like you, not needing anything in return for what we give away, but just doing it because it's good to do it. God, we thank you for our time together. We pray that Jesus was exalted and glorified in all of this, that we never lose sight of the fact that it is all about Jesus. And we thank you for our time together. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.